Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Ryan Lachane from Real Restaurant coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is the co-owner of Avondale Food and Wine in Montrose, Mary Clarkson. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, Eric. Happy to be here. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for doing this. You're welcome. Let's dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Ronnie Killen has a new project. He's going to sell Killen's Barbecue Brisket Pizzas. (laughs) Through 82 Houston area Papa John's locations, as well as the Papa John's at uh, NRG Stadium during the rodeo. And of course, the the obvious first question is, how are you going to smoke all that brisket? And he has partnered with a, a food manufacturing firm in Welder, Texas named J-Barby Foods to make the brisket that will go on the pizzas. So he taught them his recipe. And he has checked their quality. And so they're going to be making Killen's brisket. Um, Mary, let me just put it to you. This has been a little bit controversial. Oh Papa John's, the, uh, the former CEO, has said and done some, some kind of nasty things. Papa John's is not, is not exactly riding high at the moment. Is this a good move for Ronnie Killen? I mean, if Ronnie Killen likes money, it's a good move. It's a great move by that standard. <laughs> Um, food and quality wise, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'd have to taste it. I, I think there's, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just going to say, I don't understand the combination, but I'm willing to try it. I don't know if it's a smart PR move for him, but it's, I don't think it's Ronnie Killen. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I, I have to admit, I am deeply curious that the pizza will be available February 18th through March 31st. So there's. There's going to be plenty of time. I, I will say, I have not ordered a Papa John's pizza in a long time. Domino's is my national pizza chain drug of choice. Mm, it was like definitely Little Caesars for me in college at UT. Okay. <laughs> but this will get like, I'm ordering this pizza. Sure you are. Right? Like within to. the first day or two it comes out. And I have some optimism that it will be good because everything Ronnie does is good. You are a fanboy. You are a, a true fan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, but at the same time, like, I'll, you know, if it's not good, I won't hesitate to say so. Yeah, no, you'll crucify him if it's not. I have no, I have true faith in that. Um, I, I will try it. The barbecue and pizza. I don't know. That doesn't sound like something I'm going to like, but I'll, I'll go into it with an open mind. I will break bread or pizza dough with you. Uh, we'll order it together. <laughs> I, two interesting things about this. If it's popular, and I suspect that it will be, Ronnie told me he's already developed other barbecue pizzas that Papa John's will roll out. So one with beef short rib, one with sausage, one with pork belly. Ka-ching. Yeah. Ka-ching. Ka-ching. <laughs> and then if it, if it really takes off, he, of course, has a business plan for a series of delivery-oriented pizzerias that could go into strip centers. And are you kidding me? No. Oh my God. He's like my, my, my bankers and my, 
like my I'm trying to remember he said I know he said he's he's already talked about it with his bankers and they're on board. Listen, as Nate Rose would say, barbecue money is real money. So I have no doubt his bankers and his advisors give me a break. <laughs> I mean, it's been a busy couple of months for Ronnie. He just opened Killen's TMX down in Pearland. Killen's Steakhouse are we doing opens sushi in the Woodlands. Nets? Are we doing hibachi? What are we doing? I mean, oh Uchi is like his favorite restaurant. I, well, Loro is coming to town at some point. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, if he wants to beat them to the punch, I guess, uh, he'd, he'd have to figure that out in a hurry. Oh my goodness. Let's, let's go for it. <laughs> but, but you're, so you're, so just as like a, yeah, I guess from a PR perspective, right? If you're an acclaimed local chef, is it a smart move to affiliate your business with a national chain of, shall we say, dubious quality? Listen, people have short, for the most part, not not all of it, but for the most part, people have short-term memory. So I think they'll focus on, I think they'll focus on Ronnie, not Papa John's as far as the partnership. I mean, people either like the food they like or they don't. And if they didn't like it, this gives them a reason to further not like it. In the world of, of the Me Too movement, you know, you, these male chefs have to, and arguably female chefs, uh, have to and operators have to be careful out there, but I don't think he's going to be punished for this. No, and I I think I think most people understand that there's a difference between the former CEO and founder versus the local franchisee and the like hundreds and hundreds of people who work at those restaurants. He's been removed from the company. These local you know local franchisees. I mean, they're the ones that get punished. You know, he's been removed. They shouldn't be punished anymore. I don't know. It's everything is so politically correct, and I am not always the most politically correct person. So, um, I don't think it's going to hurt him. All right. Topic number two. I got a tour of Bel Air Food Street. This is a new development coming to Chinatown that will have thirteen restaurants, a mixture of savory and sweet options. Can we go right now? We can't because they're still building it. Ugh. But a mix of savory and sweet. I'm intrigued by this, you know, because I, I met the owner, Kevin Can, and he said, you know, I go to Asia and I see these restaurants and they're, you know, the food is good. They're clean. They're comfortable. They're Instagrammable. They like speak to the modern generation. And then I come home to Chinatown and a lot of the restaurants are mom and pop. A lot of them are, you know, like bare bones. Like there's no, there's no real effort at design or aesthetics. The food, the food tastes good. The food always tastes good, but it may not look good. He kind of wants to raise the bar. And so he's bringing all of these new to market vendors to Houston. Um, I'm excited about this. I, ha I have to say. You love your Chinatown excursions. Of course you're excited. Come on, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, did you look at the list of the restaurants that are coming? Do you have thoughts? I mean, I think I think he's really smart to try to bring some out-of-town people in here and, and offer something different because if he didn't, he'd just be another strip center. Um, so he'll give people a reason to really want to not just come once but really come until they try all of the new concepts. Yeah, and I like that 
it's curated and that they won't be overlap, right? Like if you yeah. go to Tunwong Plaza is the most famous shopping center in Chinatown. That's the one with Tiger Den and Fufu Cafe and always busy. Right. It's always crazy busy, but there's no there, there's nothing to prevent similar Everybody concepts, serves. right? So that there's like three shaved ice places. And three then three faux places. Right. <laughs> and then you gotta go and you're like, wait, which was the which was the good shaped ice place and which was the not good shaped ice? You know, like this prevents all that, right? The developer is curating the experience for you. They've evaluated the different brands and there won't be the same kind of overlap. So I like that. And I, I just like that it's kind of uh, centered around a modern sensibility. I'm, I'm very intrigued by uh, Migo, the, uh, the Vietnamese street food uh, Vietnamese pub concept that's coming. I'm excited about uh, fattening barbecue. These like skewered meats started in New York City as a food cart and has apparently been pretty successful in Dallas. And uh, I don't know. We have Tom and Tom's Coffee from Korea, and I don't. Uh, I guess it's it's known as the Starbucks of Korea. So I don't I don't quite know what that means, but but I'm here for that too. Topic number three. Then speaking of food halls and food developments. Politan Row is coming to Rice Village. This is a food hall that should have about 12 vendors from the owner of St. Row Market. St. Rock. St. Rock. Oh, good. Get it right. It's my favorite food market in America. Oh, good. Because <laughs> actually I was counting on I was counting on your New Orleans expertise. Tell me about St. Rock Market. So St. Rock Market was one of the, I mean, honestly, I, I won't speak for the whole country because I don't know, but it was one of the original kind of independent food halls um, that I ever went to several years ago. And it was a partnership with the city, that one, um, where they took a city-owned building that was in disrepair and mm. kind of a not great neighborhood at the time and turned it around, um, partnered with a private company and developed about a dozen food stalls that they'd rented uh, affordably priced to locally owned businesses that didn't have an overlap. Um, so you have in the back of St. Rock Market, you have this great little beer and wine bar that you can sit up at the bar or some other uh, high tops. You can have oysters there. There's another station that just does crepes and king's cakes and pastries. Uh, another another station has gumbo. Um I love St. Rock Market. I always go there for coffee. I always go there for pastries. It's a must for me every New Orleans trip. Um, they've done it so, so well. And I was actually talking with somebody the other night uh, that was like, yeah, they're coming to Houston. They haven't announced yet. So how funny. Well, yeah, they've sort of announced. Like they, the the owner of St. Rock Market talked to Forbes and and mostly they were opening one in Chicago in, in the next couple of months. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, we're also opening in Houston. Yeah. The St. Rock building is beautiful. Like yeah. it's a stunning freestanding building. So it's going to be kind of hard to mimic that New Orleans style architecture tradition in the middle of Rice Village. I'm sure it'll be great. I don't where exactly is it going? So, I don't exactly know where it is going specifically in Rice Village. Okay. I, I have tried to get some comment about that. We can just uh, do a lap and see who's vacant. Well, so there's a vacant <laughs> space at the corner of like Times and Kelvin. Okay. That I think could be it, but I think it could also take the former 
they could take the Kubo's and Bombay Brasserie spaces on the second floor of the parking Yikes. garage. I don't like second floor restaurant and, ever. I just don't. <laughs> well, but this will be a draw, right? I mean, this is a destination. And of course, it depends on the vendors, right? I mean, yeah. it, it depends on... They've got to get real local with their vendors if they want it to succeed. That's why St. Rock Market succeeded. I mean, they doubled down on local, local, local. Well, and I think we've seen that that local restaurateurs are intrigued by this idea you know, high volume, lower uh, lower cost of entry, right? Yeah, they don't have to pay for their own bathrooms, their own HVAC, their own fire suppression. The, the barriers, cost of entry are so much less. Right. Permitting, all that, you know. All yeah, the, right, the, somebody else to deal with your headaches. Right. So, it, yeah, I mean, I, I think the success of any individual food hall depends mostly on the quality of its vendors. But and the quality of who's backing you. So if Rice is backing this, Rice is going to be invested in their success. Right. Yeah. Trademark property operates Rice Village for Rice University. Yeah. And they have been transforming Rice Village. Right. Shake Shack, like La Madeline is out. Shake Shack is in. Rice has a grand plan for all of that. And I don't know if you've ever spoken about this on one of your shows, but they bought Ginger Man recently. I don't mm-hmm. know when Ginger Man will close, but. They have a grand plan that they don't want anything open after 11 p.m. or midnight. They want it to be, you know, an extension of Rice's campus and something that's available to their faculty, students, alumni, people that are visiting. So I feel like anything that goes into this food hall will be complementary to that kind of model. Yeah, and they've been right. And I guess what I'm saying is they've been bringing in some of these national restaurant brands, Shake Shack, Hop Dotty, Sure, Mendocino Farms is coming, uh, Sweet Green is coming. 60 vines, a wine bar is coming. So, you know, this this addition kind of only furthers that. I just hope I am so sick and tired of seeing Texas-owned businesses or companies go out of state for some of their vendors. H-E-B, uh, a Heights example. Um, still salty about the roastery. <laughs> still salty about the roastery. I just think we have so, so many amazing local operators in food and beverage here that it would be a shame if they didn't put their focus on on local operators. I would love to see local, local, local in there. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll, right. It'll be really interesting to see what direction they go in. And, and I suspect like, we will get a formal announcement of this sure. from them at some point in the near future, and then maybe that'll give us some some more details. But it's um, exciting. I mean, it's a high traffic. It's a one of the only walkable areas of town. I mean, they there's real density here, and I think whatever they do, I hope they're thoughtful about it and <coughs> and put their their name and their money behind it to help it succeed. Good. Well, yeah. I mean, I knowing your affection for. St. Rock gives me a feeling of optimism. Oh, I love it. It's my favorite. Okay. That does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Mary, for our restaurant of the week, we are going to do something a little different. Ooh, goody. We're going to talk about Cerizo Modern Italian Kitchen. And what's different is that you usually don't leave the loop. This is true. Uh, but on this occasion, I, I got you to try an Italian restaurant at the Weston Hotel in the Woodlands Waterway. That worked because you drove. Uh, yes. 
Yes, I, I, I understood that that was the minimum barrier to entry. <laughs> this is the, I mean, this is the restaurant for this hotel, and they uh, they recruited uh, Chef Enzo Fargione. I hope I'm, I hope Chef Enzo, I'm, I'm doing justice to your name with that, who has had a series of well-regarded restaurants in Washington D.C. to conceptualize and run Cerizo. Mary, I'm just going to throw it to you. What did you what did you think of our dinner? I liked our dinner quite a bit. Uh, the setting was very beautiful. It was overlooking the waterway and the woodlands for those are, that are familiar with kind of that setting. Um, it felt like a modern take on a restaurant hotel, which I really liked. Uh, the pizzas and pasta were very, very good. Uh, wine list was pretty decent for a hotel, I would say. I mean, yeah, uh, we had a 40 something dollar bottle of, I don't remember exactly what it was, <laughs> but it was like, but it was like a $40 bottle of red wine in a hotel restaurant. I feel really good about it. Yeah, that. it was a good Italian red. Um, and I, I like the service, the hospitality. Chef's food was great. Um, you know, it's a hotel restaurant. They're striving to get their local Woodlands residents as well as a lot of that corporate business and money that's around the waterway down there. And I think they'll they'll succeed with this. Italian is a popular, wide-ranging, wide-appealing concept. It's a good concept for them to have there. Yeah, Mary, we had we had a number of dishes that I, I really liked. I mean, there was a a lamb ragu over polenta that was like very rich and savory and satisfying, uh, a really good pasta bolognese. Uh, I mean, a, you know, a, a classic margarita pizza, you know, with good char, good chew, mm-hmm. uh, the right amount of melty cheese. I think the only thing that kind of came up short for me was they did this uh, cacio e pepe with a, with a poached egg on top. I just didn't quite get it. Uh, if you're going to do egg and a pasta, I, I mean, it would be carbonara yeah. and then it's the sauce, right? You, you want it kind of emulsified. I, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't quite get the, the poached egg sitting on top of it. That I was, I was like, wait a minute, what did we order? <laughs> I was definitely perplexed by that. Um, yeah, that was odd. Other than that, I think the meal was fine, but yeah, there no, no egg on that dish. Yeah. And then the only thing is they... They do a, uh, they take, I don't remember if it was snapper or redfish, but they, they fried it. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's a, it, it was not undelicious. Like it, it tasted good. It's just, that is not the preparation. I don't, I don't think of fried fish as a particularly Italian preparation. No. no. And I don't think of it as the way that you treat like, like relatively delicate. Yeah. It's just, it seemed like kind of an odd choice. No. Olivier would die. He would never. <laughs> uh, but the desserts were good. That that really fun uh, panna cotta with the like the the cookie crisps cut to look like bacon and the the two. Uh, it was a fun play on on the dessert. Yeah, that looked like bacon and eggs, and uh, oh yeah, and this um, tiramisu that uh, that was really very solid. But yeah, it's a it's a pretty space. It's a good space. Your, your father lives in the woodlands. Or, he are, does. Are you planning to take him to Cerezo? Uh, if I can get him out of the country club, um, sure. No, I, yeah, I'd take my dad to Cerezo for like a brunch, I think. You yeah. know, like a daytime thing. I don't know if they do brunch on the weekends, but I think that overlooking the waterway, yeah, I would take him there. 
Yeah, I, I would say maybe not a destination for people in Houston. You have to go past a lot of really good Italian restaurants to, to go all the way to the Woodlands. But if you live in the Woodlands, I think this is a really nice addition there's to a lot, what's going on up there. There's a lot of people who, you know, either live or work within walking distance of the waterway and who like to grab a drink after work or dinner or lunch or brunch. I mean, they're gonna do they're gonna do well with this concept there. I think they picked a concept that will appeal to the masses and that's very smart. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Mary, before I let you go, I have to congratulate you. Oh yes. Avondale food and wine has been nominated for a culture map tastemaker award for wine program of the year. Very exciting. Yes. That is very exciting. Thank you, Eric and culture map. What else is going on at Avondale before you get out of here? So, in addition to regular Valentine's dining, we have Jesse Katz of Devil Proof. Uh, he used to be the winemaker for Screaming Eagle for Napa wine lovers. Uh, so the ultimate California cult cat. <clears throat> true. Yes. Very true. So we're having him uh, next Thursday evening. That's $100 a person. Very reasonable price if you want to do something a little different for Valentine's Day. We're limiting it to 30 people. So it'll be a... Small dinner with the winemaker. We're really fortunate. And then the next evening, February 15th, Friday, we are having Nate Reddy from Hayu Wine Farm, arguably the most exciting wine dinner in America right now. Uh, we're partnering with Urban Harvest. Every single ingredient in this meal will come from Urban Harvest, and they will be the beneficiary of this meal. It's also $100. Um, originally, we wanted all of the food to come from um Oregon from Fort Hood, but we weren't able to because it's winter. So um, we're really excited to have Nate. He is a natural wine guy for the natural wine lovers out there. So that'll be Friday and we're super excited to have him. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And I will be right back with Ryan Lachey. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Joined this week by Ryan Lachey, the chef owner of Real Restaurant in Montrose. Uh, before I bring Ryan on, I just do want to issue a short disclaimer that, uh, you know, generally we like to keep the language pretty mild on here, but this this one may go off the rails just a little bit. So if you're the sort of person who is offended by strong language or you're listening to this podcast in the car with children, uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, no hard feelings. So Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I, Tell the tell the people why I issued that disclaimer. What did you tell me about your your interest in coming back on the show? Well, I thought that I I had the um, the fuck record on on the podcast here, so I, I told I want to come back on and, and and smash that record. Yeah, I I actually listened to your original appearance on the show. I think it was episode six or seven. We're up to like eighty six or eighty seven as as we sit here in the studio today. You you worked a little blue, but not really. And then I listened to John Reed from Boss Cat Kitchen, who I think is the current holder of the fuck record. And honestly, he says he he says shitty a couple of times and a couple of f bombs. But it, it's no one really works that blue on this podcast. Well, I'm fucking coming for you now, John. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a it's a funny sort of thing because I, like I said, I listened to the old interview, and and we talked about. Uh, the important role that E.J. Miller played at the restaurant as your sous chef. And we talked about the important role that Chris Fleischman played as your general manager and beverage director. 
And, you know, in the two years since you opened, they've both gone off to do other things, right? I've had EJ yeah. Miller on the show. He's, he's now the executive chef at International Smoke. Chris is working at Pachin. You know, no, no hard feelings there. It's just this is, that's the nature of the restaurant business. Yeah, absolutely not. No hard feelings. No, everyone, you know, moves on after a while. I didn't, you know, you always kind of want guys, you know, especially your sous chefs, guys like EJ to stay for, you know, for fucking ever with you because he, he did a good job. He did a lot for me. Um, it was the first time I had, a, you know, I've opened a restaurant. So you don't really know what's going on. You know, you're kind of day-to-daying it, and there's a lot of things that he did to help me out a ton, like, you know, ordering and dealing with people and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I miss him. But you, so, you know, I, I said on uh, the Welcome to Houston podcast, hosted by my Gal Media colleague Jordan Smith and, and your publicist Nick Skirfield, that it seems like you, you've had to kind of reload, right? You've had to restock your kitchen with cooks on the fly and, and keep it going. Yeah, it, um, you know, we had a pretty good run there where we didn't really turn over in the kitchen for um, for a year, and you know that second year was 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 I'm not gonna lie, was pretty fucking tough on us. We you know we had a, some guys come and go, and um, as everyone knows, <clears throat> excuse me, in this uh, industry, it's tough finding good cooks out there, guys that that want to work. Like, um, you know, we I can't tell you the number of guys. I forget, we, you know, we figured out what the percentage was of. of of stages that we have because we kind of have a thing that if you want to um you want to work at real then you have to come stage and it's not so much like um cooking like we can teach you how to cook um it's being able to get along and, and you know it's a small kitchen it's a small restaurant um we had like maybe like 10 percent of the stages even fucking show up like guys just just, just don't show I, I, I right like i'll be there yeah friday at three and then nothing yeah that you know like you change things around you know you you, ha- you have things for them to do and that and these fucking people don't don't even come um you know we, i even hired a guy and he's like yeah yeah man i'll be in like monday gonzo it's brutal it's, it's, it's bad yeah we've had a, had, a, had a bit of a tough run but you know we're reloading right now so it's it's looking better yeah it seems like i mean i look at that crew and you know when you opened i knew obviously i know you and I knew EJ and I knew JD. Those guys are gone. I look back now. I don't know. I don't know any of those guys. You know, it's. I think it's 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 good and bad having a a veteran crew. Like I opened up with a real veteran crew, and it was it was great. It helped me out. But I think it's good and it's bad because you know you get the veteran guys in, and a lot of them are like you know they're setting their fucking ways, and they just they do what they kind of want to do. And it's, sometimes it's tough getting them to do things that you want to do because they think you can do it better. Um, when you have the younger guys in, like the guys that we have now, like they're young and they're hungry and they just, you know, they do what I say and, and they stick to the game plan. It's a lot easier on me than, you know. Right. If, the, if they may not, they may not have the skills, but they also don't have the bad habits. Yeah. And that's it. Like, like I said, it, it's my job and, and uh, to teach them how to cook. And, you know, some of these guys, they just, I don't think that it's the cooking part. It's, it's the working part. Like, you know, I feel cooking's easy. Being a cook isn't easy. You know, there's there's shitty hours and the pay fucking sucks, and um, it, it's hard and it's something that you have to really want to do. Or you're not going to survive. Yeah, I, well, as someone who who doesn't cook, I disagree with you that cooking is easy. I find cooking to be like incredibly bewildering and frustrating. The eating is easy. Yeah, but I, you know, I also think writing's hard. Yeah, no, the well, the writing, the writing has its ups and downs, but but from my perspective, you know, it's it's my job. Like yeah. this is what, you know, I stare at the blank screen to make the words come out. That's what I do. I stare at a blank plate and my food come out. 
and thank God I we're it's funny yeah we're gonna we're gonna stick to our uh, respective roles and then tell me a little bit about uh, your he's not new anymore I mean Nick Nick uh, Nick Wynn Nick Wynn has been with you for a long time now but but oh, man. what's Nick's, that relationship Nick's, Nick's great like I come sometimes he's like my mom he just tells me what to do well it's it's awesome I don't have to do a lot of a lot of thinking he's so like he's so organized and he he's um you know, we really really um lucked out getting him on board you know he works his ass off um super smart guy great in the dining room um yeah. he came from pax right no he's ex cotta oh even better yeah sorry Ori. <laughs> not that sorry not that sorry um yeah cuz i mean and you guys i mean you guys the story has been better told by uh, Lance Zerline on the, the radio side, but it, you know, he had your back when that customer went crazy on you. Yeah. He, he, he choked the dude. Well, I didn't really choke the dude out. He, he kind of grabbed him from behind and, and pulled him kind of, cause we we're, um, tussling a little bit. Uh, there was a, a customer at that a skirmish. Uh, there was a bit of a skirmish yeah, in, in the restaurant one night and yeah, Lance was there. Has that been, uh, has that been adjudicated? Do you know, are you, are you, have you had to testify? No, we haven't heard anything yet. Um, you know, there's a kind of a funny behind the scenes story that I, I, I have to, I can tell you off. Um, oh, you can't tell off, us now? I can't tell you right now. No, I can tell you, I can tell you later. It's, it's actually pretty funny, but, um, but yeah, we haven't really heard anything like that. I this I, this guy's in big fucking trouble. It's I can, he kicked a, I mean, he, he was, we can say he was arrested not for whatever shenanigans went down at Riel. He was arrested for assault on a police officer. Oh yeah. He, um, Headbutted Nick, fucking punched me in the face. Um, finally got him outside, left, tried to get back in, punched the shit out of my front door. Cops showed up and like they had threw him in the back of the car. Like total cops episode, smashing his head off the side of the window, tries to kick the fucking windows out and they pull him out and uh, try to hog time. He kicks a cop in the face. Yeah, that'll that'll get you. That'll get, jail, you, that'll get you in jail, and that'll get you in real trouble. I think that's like you know, like a felony. Yeah, it's definitely I a fel- it's say. definitely a felony to kick a cop in the face. Yeah, and and speaking as a civilian who does not want to be kicked in the face, I'm fine with that because if you're if you're stupid enough to kick a cop in the face, then you probably deserve to go to jail. Yeah, yeah, it was um, not that you know it's it's kind of funny now. I mean, you're talking about it, but at the time it wasn't very funny. It's not the press you're looking for. <laughs> Yeah, you. I mean, you know, I. I mean, you you are uh, you are in that. I mean, it would be great if I could speak English to you. Yeah. You have. Is it hard staying? Not relevant, I think, from a food perspective, because I think the food is as good as it's ever been. Is it hard staying in the conversation about? interesting restaurants in Houston with so much going on. Oh, absolutely. There's, you know, there's so many guys opening up like, you know, weekly and some of them that, you know, they're from out of town. I've never really heard of them. Some of these guys that I know are opening up like multiple spots at one time. So yeah, you know, you always kind of got to be um, pushing forward and, and, and trying to be better and, and stay relevant because, you know, it's it's a tough business. If you don't want to stay relevant, and you don't want to push, then you can you know, you can shut those doors pretty quick. Yeah. Do you? I mean, you you just hired. You know, you you had operated without a publicist for a while. You you've now hired a publicist. 
do you do you find that that's helped you kind of get back in the media mix? Do you oh, absolutely? Skur, you know, I've known Skur for a long time, and he's a he's a you know he's a personal friend of mine. He's he's a good dude, and he's done a lot for me. You know, there's just like there's stuff that owning a you know owning a restaurant, being a small business owner, like I can't like you know be fucking texting you and saying hey Eric, I'm doing this. Can you know? It's like I'm. It's not like you're. I don't know how to write a press release. So I'm not emailing you. I'm like basically calling in a favor. You know, it kind of gets old after a while, and I don't like doing it. So, you know, I'd rather just someone that knows what they're doing doing it for me. It's, yeah, it's helped a lot. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you because I used to have a sponsor on this podcast because I had a personal friendship with one of the owners of Eighth Wonder Brewery, and then I got I feel bad about asking him for money. Yeah, right. I'm not a salesperson. I'm a writer. Yeah, I'm and a half-ass podcaster. You know, we have salespeople. It's like I I I want you to make the call, and it's like it's Nick's job to bother me about, well, not just you, but a whole host of other restaurants. And it, you know, we have that professional relationship, whereas you feel like you're imposing on me. Yeah. And also there's things that, that, that publications are, they contact him and say, Hey, we're doing this. Do you have a guy that can do this? And he's like, yeah, you know, I can, that, that they wouldn't contact me personally, you know? Right. Right. There's things like that, that I, that you need, you need a guy for to do that because I just don't have the skills to do it. Uh, so is there like, um, sorry, catching up. Sorry. I, so many different directions. You were drinking last night or what? Big, I, big, I wasn't. And big I, Sunday nighter? I wasn't and I should have been. No. You, uh, you, you celebrated your second anniversary. Yeah. You have this like kind of cool following in Houston's, Houston's music community. Yeah. Like how did you foster those relationships? I don't, you know, people just... I've known, you know, people in the music industry. Um, I'm like, you know, I can't fucking talk. Um, in the music industry, um, I have a friend named Mark Austin that's, that's uh, you know, heavy into the music industry. He knows a lot of people. He brings a lot of folks in. Um, you know, Alex Roman, Donkey Boy, he's kind of connected with him. He brings some some people in every once in a while. And we just, you know, like, we come and we just have fun with them. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I know, again, I don't know, I don't know how this podcast became a plug for Nick's podcast, but... He had Cam Franklin on, and Cam said, Cam from The Suffers said, Real is one of her favorite restaurants. Yeah, Cam's in, you know, every once in a while. She's great. Yeah. Do you, uh, so so let's talk about kind of two years into Real. I mean, you, you opened with a pretty good idea kind of of what you wanted to serve. How has that changed in the two years that Real has been open? Oh, man. My fucking longest two years of my life. Um, I don't know. I, I think. You know, you have these ideas that you want to do, and I've said this before, that, you know, you think that they're great and you're going to kill it, and some of them work and some of them don't work. And I think restaurants, like, restaurants are so fluid. There's people coming and going, and food's going in, it's going out, and, and, and people are, you know, working and quitting, and, and you're hiring new people that they kind of take a life of its own. And I think after a while, your restaurant kind of, like, tells you what to do. And I think if you push back too much at it, you know, it doesn't work out. It doesn't feel... Um, you know, it, it, it feels kind of forced. And that's the last thing I want is I don't want my food to feel forced on anyone. So we kind of, you know, we play it by ear. We do whatever we want. Yeah. Do you, I mean, like I never would have guessed that mushroom empanadas would be a fit for what you do, but that's been an incredibly popular addition. Man, I still tell like, and that was, you know, that was another weird thing. Um, my mom used to make something like that, like a long time ago. And, um, and I was recently somewhere and I had something like it and it kind of reminded me of them. And I, I called her and I said, do you have the recipe for the, the, those, those fucking mushroom things you make when we were little? And she's like, yeah, I think I have it. 
and she gave it to me. You know, we refined it a little bit and and, and um, kind of jazzed it up. And now we we sell we sell loads of them. They're good. They are good. Yeah. And you sell a, I mean, respectfully, you sell a shitload of pierogies still. I do. It's kind of become your thing. I'm like the dumpling guy. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you noticed maybe that I've seen pierogies like a couple other places around town. I, you know, I see that, and it is what it is. Like, I didn't fucking invent pierogies, so if, if anyone's welcome to, to make them. Um, I think I saw at one of the places there's something very similar to what we do, but, you know, hey, like, that's that's on them, not me. We do what we do there, and that's it. I really don't give a shit what anyone else does. Do you, do you look at dishes at other restaurants and think either, like, I wish I had done that, or, ooh, I want to put my spin on that? Of course, you know, I think at the end of the day, like almost everyone's ripping each other off in some way, shape, or form. Um, I try my best if I if I do something like to say, "Hey, this was inspired by someone," not just fire it on there and and like call it my own. Um, but you know, there's, there's I don't think there's a lot of reinventing the wheel. You know, when it comes to food, like you see things and you think it's cool, and if if I like them, I'll ask them, "How did you do this?" Like I want to do something like this, and like I've if anyone ever asks me about anything, I tell them how we do things. Like I, there's no secrets. Yeah, because I feel like there's like a kind of somewhere between like the Nancy's Hustle Turkish dumplings and like the Russian pelmeni that showed up at like the classic and then Ziggy started doing it. I don't know. I just feel like like you're the dumpling guy. I feel like there's a, a real version of something like that. Oh, you know, I, I think I might even told you when we first opened that there's no fucking way that I'm going to have like three different kinds of pierogies on the menu. And I, I have three now. Yeah, there's, <laughs> so I lied about that. <laughs> um. Are you happy with the food? Are you is that is that the easy part? Is that I'm, the fun part for you? I'm never happy with it. Like that's one thing. Like I don't, you know, I try it and I eat it and I, I'm never so I don't eat a lot of it. Like I I keep trying to like, I think it's good, but I always think there's something. You know, I kind of get over things real easy. Um, like the cauliflower, the the tempura cauliflower. Mm-hmm. Like I it's I just cringe when I look at it. It's been on since day one, and we sell so many of them. Like I can't afford to take it off, but like it just. You know, after a while, I want I want something new. Yeah, because you haven't been shy about mixing it up. I mean, the borscht comes on and off when the, you know, depending on what the weather's like. I mean, you're not doing the Montreal smoked meat right now. That that was kind of an early signature. I mean, it's back. Oh, it's back. <laughs> it's back. Yeah. Was it? You know, we just we had some issues with uh, some brisket stuff, so it's it's back now. We had it off for a couple of days, but we got it going. <laughs> um, how would you like to see it grow? You know, I don't or maybe like, not grow change. I guess change is really the more accurate. And like I said before, I think I just want to keep evolving and keep pushing and, 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 you know, making better food and not be stagnant. I think some guys get stagnant. They get, you know, comfortable and they just, you know, they're whatever they're, they're living on their name or whatever awards they want. And they don't push forward. And I think you should always be pushing forward. I think it's important for as an industry in, and as a city in Houston to keep pushing forward. Yeah. I mean, you just, you were just up in your hometown of Winnipeg for the raw almond pop-up. Oh, yeah. How was that? It was fucking cold. <laughs> it, it looked was, fucking cold. It was minus 52, 55 the first night I cooked there. What do you, what do you even wear? As much as possible. <laughs> um, but how did you, I, I mean, I know you've gone up there before. How did you get involved with that? Well, it's, you know, it's my hometown, and I, I, the chef, his name's Mandel Hinser. He has a place called Deer and Almond there. He kind of organized and put this whole thing together, which I, I, I still can't. I've done it, I think, four or five times. I can't believe how they pull this shit off. It's un, it's unbelievable. Yeah, we should explain that you're you're basically uh, under a tent on a frozen river, right? Yeah, but they basically make like 
like it's beautiful inside. We have like a full working restaurant. They have a nicer kitchen than I have at Riel. They have more more like more stuff to work with. It's great. So what do you make when you go up there? Like what are you what are you cooking? Um I did a fried rice dish. I do, you know, when I do these, this, like, especially that one, because I'm crossing a, a border, um, I don't bring any prep with me. When I do the uh, events in, in the U.S., I usually, as much stuff as I can, I can prep at the restaurant um, or have my guys prep for me at the restaurant, <laughs> um, you know, um, I'll ship it with me. It's easier. Um, a lot of times, you know, these there's multiple chefs in there and you're limited to space. You don't know the kitchen you're walking into. So, um that one, I have to go solo, and they have to have all the food waiting for me. So, you know, I actually had to do some work there in that. And I, I do. It doesn't matter if I'm in Canada or if I'm somewhere else. I try to do things that I, I can execute properly. I don't do things that I don't know how to do because they might, you know, go to shit, and I don't want that. So I right, do, you want to represent well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, so, yeah, I do things that I've done before that I can, that I can execute there. Um, but it's a hard one because you have to prep at a kitchen, um, load everything into a van, you know, hump it down the, the, you know, the side of the river there till you get on the river and then, you know, they, they heat the tent up, you get everything going, then you start cooking and there's, there's two seatings and the first one's at 5.30. So if you get behind at 5.30, you're kind of screwed for the, the last one and people are standing outside and freezing, they're pissed at you and it's not good. Yeah. Nobody wants to be, nobody wants to be like standing around in the Stand cold outside, negative fucking, 50 fucking degrees. smoking when it's minus 52, no. <laughs> Can you even, I didn't even know you could light a cigarette when it's that cold outside. You can, apparently. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the other thing I think with your career that I'm sort of interested in is you worked for, uh, both Chris Shepard and Brian Caswell. They got a lot of national attention. Mm. They're both food and wine, best new chefs. Chris won a beard. Brian was a beard finalist. Do you, do you still aspire to that kind of attention? Do you? I, I would, I think everyone does. Like who doesn't want to be in the cover of a magazine or who doesn't want to win a James Beard award, you know? Like, yeah, I, I think that, um, is, is a good thing for me. You know, at, when I first opened the restaurant, like, yeah, that's what you want. And, you know, I still do now, but I don't, you know, I'm not really strong. I want a full restaurant. Like I want to, you know, I know business, like, you know, I got bills to pay. I got, you know, people that work for me, like, um, having a busy restaurant and, being you know successful that way i can take care of my you know my kids and my um my staff is you know probably a notch above winning a james beard award or or being on the cover of food and wine yeah because it's so hard to tell what they're looking for and it, it especially in houston it just seems like like the national press is very enamored with um like what's happening in chinatown or yeah. or you know and just looking at like the beard nominations or from the, the semifinalists, I, I think it might be tough for like a white guy making new American food to kind of break through, you know, and that's like, that's, that's out of my, you know, I don't, I can't control that. So I can, I can only control what goes in the restaurant. So I, I always say, look at it this way. If, if someone's in town, this, not, you know, it's always nice if they come, they come at real, if they don't, you know, what can I do? You know, once they're in the restaurant, then it's my fucking job to make them, you know, to make them like it or to, to, to cook well, to execute well. Um, and if I don't, then, you know, shame on me. But I can't make anyone come in. Right. You know, I stand behind what I do there, but I can't make you come in and eat it and like it. I mean, and you certainly have the, at least, if nothing else, the respect of your peers. I mean, you're uh, you're nominated for Chef of the Year and Restaurant of the Year in the Culture Map Tastemaker Awards. I saw that. Thank you. 
Yeah. I mean, it's an honor to be nominated. Right? It is. It is. Um, I mean, now that you're two years into Riel, are you starting to think about what might be next for you? You know, we always, like, I'm sure as with every other person owns a restaurant, like, people hit you up, they have this idea, they got a spot, they got this and they got that. And, you know, you know, myself and my business partners, we have other, like, concepts that we would, you know, we look at and that. I don't think there'll ever be another Riel. Like, this is, this is it. Um, no, yeah, I don't, yeah, I wouldn't expect you to open another Riel. I think there could be, like, a... Uh, lower price point, more casual. We've, you know, we, we've talked about things like that, and just, just you know, other stuff that we we kind of throw around. You know, if I go to town or I cook with someone or I, I eat at some restaurant, you kind of, you know, you get inspired by something, you kind of want to do that. Um, Pierogi hut. Fuck, I, w- I wish, man, I wish. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're always looking to do something new in that. But like I said, I I I want to get Real pumping on a hundred, you know. Or I think it's at a hundred percent. I don't. I don't think it is yet. Yeah. I mean, you could you could bring back brunch. I really loved your brunch. Not a fucking, not a fucking chance. You know you know work it. You can work the egg station at brunch because I ain't <laughs> fucking getting up. At, no way. No. We, we had a good run. It was whatever four months or y- something. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think if you were open four months, I probably ate there four times. Yeah. Yeah. But I I'm, I think maybe I was the only one. You were the only one there a couple times. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't working out too well. Uh, how's your happy hour business? Because I still feel like that's like one of those things that you know it's 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 hit and miss. With <clears throat> I <clears throat> I wish we could uh, you know really slam it at happy hour, and sometimes we do, and you know sometimes there's uh, it's it's slow, so it's it's a weird thing, you know. And I don't know what to do. We're we're gonna start pumping out some new happy hour stuff. We're not gonna revamp the menu totally. We're gonna add two three new things on there, um, a couple new drinks, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you gave me a taste of like a. Basically, a shrimp pasta, I guess. Mm, those noodles? Yeah. They're good. Solid. Yeah. And, and, you know, if I paid eight bucks for that or whatever, I think, I, I think I'd feel pretty good about it. I don't, yeah. I don't think anything there is like too expensive or not kind of like, you know, like, like, like not worth it. You know, I, I obviously you don't want people to get too full during happy hour. You'd rather them, you know, filter into the dining room and eat and drink some more. Um, but yeah, we're we're throwing some new stuff on there to 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 see how how it works out. Well, it's also kind of a marketing thing, right? They come yeah. in, they eat cheap, they've, you know, maybe they come back for dinner another day. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but like having asses in the seats is always good. It, you know, it doesn't matter what you know what they're doing to me. Is if there's people in there and there's momentum in the restaurant, then I'm happy. Right. So let me just let me just hit you kind of with a a, a big picture question. What do you, how do you kind of see the current state of the scene? Cause you've been, you've been in it for a long time now, uh, you know, first as a cook and now as a, and now as a business owner, do you feel, you feel good about the prospects for restaurant in Houston or do you, or are we like, we like at some sort of peak. Do you worry about a crash? I guess. I don't worry. I don't worry about a, a crash because you know, like Houston's not a, not like really a, like it's not a vacation destination place. So we have to rely on, on, um, on, on regulars. And we have to be honest, like with, with the food, like again, it's not like San Francisco or Chicago or, or Charleston where there's just an influx of different people coming in all the time, you know, that they have that. Right. Everybody have, that comes to Charleston <laughs> wants shrimp and grits. So, yeah. And they know. can get it everywhere. And there's a million people going through there. like San Francisco. Like there's different people at the restaurants every night. It's not like that here. You know, you have to kind of earn your regulars and, 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 you know, do your job well to keep them coming back or you're, you're fucked. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I just colloquially, just when, when people, 
when, when I'm out and I'm talking to people, they not not necessarily even in the industry, just like regular diners, they're like, "Can we? How many more restaurants can we sustain?" And it's like, I don't know, but they keep they keep seem to open, and like smart people with a lot more money than I'll ever have seem to think they're a good investment. So as long as they're willing to kind of put their money where their ideas are, then I, I don't know. I don't know what the ceiling is. No, I don't know either. Like, um, it's weird. There's a lot of out of town guys coming in. Yeah. You know, it seems like nowadays there's more out of town guys moving in than there is local guys opening up second concepts and doing that kind of stuff. So it's weird. Yeah. I, I'm sort of impressed by, well, and just cause you have like one successful local thing, like doesn't always mean that you can do it again. Right. Like, cause like, yeah, I like that's, you know, going back to what we were saying before, I just, I'm not ready to open up anything else yet. Like I want to get this, my, this thing pumping on full cylinders. Um, and there's other guys that, man, they're opening two, three concerts one time and God bless them. You know, I couldn't do it. I'm stressed puking open in one place. Never mind having three. Yeah. Well, you wind up, you know, I guess I, I will say, and you, you don't, you can, you can stay silent or you can agree with me. I won't, I won't ask you to disagree with me, but like, I'm pretty impressed by what, uh, Justin, you and Bobby Hugel have built, right? Like they, you know, from Oxheart to public services, from Anvil to the stuff downtown, and then they joined together to open Better Luck Tomorrow, and then they've announced Squabble. You know, they they Is just that they called keep Squabble Squabble with one B S Q U A B L E. What does uh, Squabble mean, Justin? You're, you're I I hope to have Justin on. Can I be on with Justin? You you can work that out with Justin. Oh, I will, okay. You can you can reset the the bar with. I don't. I've never heard Justin swear. Really? I don't know. He, I, I don't know. I have. Okay. <laughs> you know him better than I. Yeah. Do. Yeah. But, know, those, those guys are smart dudes. But they've but they've collected a lot of talent, and then I think that I feel like they get to a point where, you know, they're going to lose people to these new opportunities if they don't, like if they don't open something else. So they. You know, they find the right opportunity. You know, Justin's, got right a, Justin's got a pretty loyal crew there. Like those guys that, you know, are at T-Rex, they've been there for a while. And, and he's he's a smart guy. He treats them good. They learn a lot from him. You know, so I don't know why they'd want to leave. I mean, more money, better title. And all the all the reasons that people jump ship, right? Yeah, I guess so. I'll go work for Justin. <laughs> um, well... I have to say that brings me to the end of kind of what I wanted to talk to you about, unless you have something you want to talk about. Do you remember when you were in my restaurant Friday night? And uh, it's a funny story that I like to tell. Um, we had an eight top come in on Friday. Was it no, it was a Saturday. Saturday. Saturday, I'm sorry, Saturday. And um, Lance sent them in. Oh. Yeah, they're friends with Lance. So Lance texts me, says, hey, I, I'm sending this, this eight top in. Can you go say hello to him? I'm like, yeah, no problem. So we're a little bit busy and I'm short-staffed. Um, I walk over there and they look at me like, like, who's this fucking guy? I'm like, hey, you know, I'm Ryan. I'm the chef. You're like, oh, hey, you know, Lance, this and that. And then I walk back to uh, my expo spot. You know, the restaurant's small. I hear one of the guys in the room say, hey, are you Eric Sandler? And I was like, what the fuck? These people don't even know the fuck I am in my own restaurant and they're recognizing you. Must be nice. You know, it's very flattering. It doesn't happen that often. You know, I was there with, a woman, so I, I feel like that's always that's always kind of fun, right? Like it makes me yeah. seem like like you're a bigger a, deal you're than a I am. Wheel, yeah. 
But I, I, I figured that you actually told them to do that. I absolutely did not. <laughs> I did not tell them to do that. No. Yeah. No. I, I, I had a, I had a conversation with someone recently. The guy was like, "I've been reading you for a long time. I feel like you're an institution." I'm like, "That's that's very nice." <laughs> I, I, it's it's astonishing to me because you know I used to read people like me. Like, yeah. Do you remember when we met? No. So my memory of when we met is that I went to a going away party for a neighbor of mine who was a bartender, like it, uh, like a Shoeshine Charlie's or something. And you and Chris showed up mm -hmm. and you guys kind of cornered me and were like, and I was nobody when I started writing and you guys kind of cornered me and were like, don't fuck this up. Right. We need you to be good at your job. Don't fuck this up. And, which is so I, I still don't feel like I'm that far from those days. And of course, you know, at the end of the day, like I, I still have to produce, Everyone, right? Yeah. The articles still have to right? it. You're, you and I are in the same position, right? No matter, no matter what I think of Riel or no matter what your customers think of Riel, right? If the steak's overcooked and the pierogies come out mushy, you know, you're fucked, right? Shitty, you get, shitty. Yeah. You, so you still gotta, you still gotta like, get in the stove or get to the expo line and like, make sure the food comes out right. Yeah. I've still got to sit down at the keyboard and make sure the words come out every day. So it's, it's really fun when stuff like that happens. And, and I've always said like the day that that gets older doesn't feel good is the day that I should go get a job in PR. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't change things for me. Like I still gotta, I still gotta get to work every day. Exactly. You know, we all do what we do and that's it. So, you know, did I tell you, did you, were you there when, um, you know, Jason Gould is in my restaurant? Do you remember Jason? Yeah, from Jason, Gravitas, so now, now working for Neenfus. So Jason was my first chef ever. I, I, I worked at Gravitas, and I worked the salads and the dessert station there, and it was a killer. And Jason used to fucking scream at me all the time and tell me how shitty I was. And so he was in the other day, so um, Jason and I are going to do a dinner at my place, and we're going to do a bunch of old, like, uh, Gravitas bangers. Nice. So I never ate a Gravitas. Really? Nope. I, you know, I thought it was great. I think that if Gravitas was around right now, it'd be doing very, very well. Yeah, it was a little ahead of its time, I think. Yeah. He's a great cook. Real, real good dude. And I think he's going to be good for Ninfas. I yeah. think that's a good hire. He's a smart guy. All right. So the last time you were here, we did not play the lightning round. So I'm so flattered that you're back so I can, I can do this to you. Great. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first <clears throat> thing that comes to mind. All right. Ryan Lashane, what's your favorite cookbook? Joe Beef. What's the first band you ever saw in concert? Motley Crue. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. McDonald's, Big Macs. Fucking, are you kidding me? Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Past or present? Oh, shit. Joey Tedarenko used to play for the, play for the arrows. He's my good friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and what is your go-to pizza order? You know what? Pepperoni mushroom. I'm a ham and pineapple guy and I don't give a fuck what you think. <laughs> I'm with you on pepperoni and mushroom. I'm not with you on ham and pineapple. Hey, I don't care. Eric. <laughs> all right. Give us the, uh, give us the website and all the social media for real. Um, the website is, uh, real Houston, HTX.com. Um, I think our uh, Instagram is the same. I think that's right. Yep. Ryan, thanks for being here. Thanks so much. All right. And you can follow me on Twitter at E. Sandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. 
Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.